Now we're recording. Now everything on my side is recording. And now everything I say is legally binding. And we yeah, have it on my side too, so. Damn it! Hey, sir. Meow meow. Do you want to join the pod? I would love a cat's perspective. I would love two cats to weigh in on. I would like the cats to weigh in on cat. Am I right, folks? You know, because there's all those, there's all those, de- I don't know, I'm not going to say debates, but, I, you know, various bits of scientific evidence that, like, cats don't see us as a different species. They just think we're bad at being cats. I would be very curious to know what they think of the movie Cats. I want to know their read on that. They'll be like closer, but also worse somehow. <laughs> closer, but also way further. This is not, it is neither cat nor man uh, any longer. It is merely Skimble Shanks, which of course I also did too many episodes of a podcast about. About a, about a full calendar day's worth of talking about the musical cats. And that's what I decided to do with my life. The way that I'm holding this cat right now is probably how other humans feel holding a baby. A baby, yeah. It looks like you are swaddling, you know, the baby Christ or something. I'm living in this kitten's world. I'm lost in its paws. <laughs> but I don't feel this way holding babies. I'm like, no, no. Keep no, not of this. <laughs> Put that back. It's not done. <laughs> Bring it, it to me the... when it's fully cooked. Shoot, like truly, like once it's potty trained, it's all, then then we'll talk. Stick it back in the oven, but until it can control its bladder, I'm out. <laughs> Late. Why does no one account for the idea that the baby might have bad vibes? Okay, maybe the baby has bad vibes. And I think a parent is perfectly within their rights to abandon a child with bad vibes until they get good vibes again. Yeah, I think a lot of horror movies would be... Uh, That's would be true. A de- <laughs> lot of horror movie babies with bad vibes. You're absolutely right. Like, if it was more socially acceptable to, like, leave bad vibe babies, we'd have a lot less horror movies... Yeah, horror would, I mean, you'd have to, you know, The Shining, that would never happen. The Omen, that would never happen. Uh, Brahms, <laughs> the the Conjuring spinoff. No Brahms. We're a Brahmsless Sixth world. Sense, even. Sixth Sense, even. That child, terrible vibes. He's not a bad kid, but he his energy is wrong. His his aura is, is wretched. His aura is red, which is it's a little... That's a little but Sixth I Sense would, reference for all you out there. It's not his fault, but yeah, I would I would give it back. Um, <laughs> if I had the Sixth Sense child, I I it's going back. I'd be returned to sender. The Sixth Sense child. My mom would playfully, as playfully as you can, say mm-hmm. that she was going to return us. Sometimes every yeah, sell sell you to the circus was or, or I'm sorry, uh, my 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 uh, father. Uh, who's no longer with us, always threatened to, uh, quote unquote, sell us to the gypsies. That was his big maneuver. He was, he was ready to do that. Um, Are you going to include that in the eulogy? Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm so glad I don't have to do a eulogy and no one has asked me to, uh, because like, I hope you're ready for my dad's upcoming funeral to be chock full of bits 
Yeah, like your type five. <laughs> my type five about my dead dad. Have you seen that Bojack Horseman? It'll be like that, uh-huh. but mm-hmm. tighter in five minutes. Yeah, because that was like a thirty-five minute monologue. I'm again a a tight five about. It's gonna have. It's gonna be like Dimitri Martin, like props and graph, you know, based comedy as well. Like it's gonna. Be, it's it's elaborate is what I'm looking at. I would like to see this. I would like to see on YouTube.com mm-hmm. your preferred eulogy, just in case you don't get to do it. I did something similar. I wrote a short film that I started confusing with reality after I did it. So I can't uh-huh. like fully endorse this, but um, I made a short film in undergrad. It was my first screenplay. Uh, the week that my evil grandmother went into hospice, um, and to cope, I made a fan fiction about if my uh-huh. grandfather came out as gay, like right after the funeral and fell in love with his music director of Guys and Dolls. But, um, but unfortunately, I turned in that essay, or I turned in that, that screenplay, um, this, the week that she went in hospice and then passed away. And then I got it graded right before the funeral and there were some not nice comments about <laughs> the grandmother character in oh, my screenplay wow. and I felt really bad because it was like a barely deceased person getting just roasted in my fiction so it was like in one way it was it was helpful for coping and then in, in the other hand it was uh Mm-hmm. morally mm-hmm. confusing i will say not Absolutely. good about but this, this old lady sucks like, like i wish that, i want this character to die and you're like you know, she was called a, i don't know if how how many curse words you can use on your i don't know if the infinite is it, the fcc is mm-hmm. this the radio um uh-huh, but yeah my i'm pretty sure my professor was drunk while grading it because he called her a cunt and it hey. became more, <laughs> it became more and more just like unhinged as, as the notes went on. So I had a feeling that it, he drunk rated it. Um, I had a feeling. Um, yeah. After my, uh, my, 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 my dad, this dead relative hour to start the crazy ex-girlfriend podcast. I, my, my dad passed away in early December and I like started working on a script about a guy who was like trying to resurrect his dead dad to like tell him off to like to to yell at him in a way he never did and every time i told people i was working on that they the looks that i received <laughs> in response to saying that i was working on that screenplay um i i cannot describe them people like falling over themselves to like try and not react and it just looked like they were explode imploding like it looked like they were collapsing in on themselves it was great that's fantastic it's a good day i I love fiction for that reason (laughs) yeah fiction is it's so fun to explore play in these spaces that don't exist but feel real like the guy that wants to resurrect his dad uh let's 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 start a podcast let's do it because this is the podcast getting ready song this is the podcast getting ready song this is the podcast getting ready song podcasting is really hard it's not hard it's actually very easy it's very easy to do scheduling is the hardest part of a podcast and then editing and those are actually tied 
Those are the twin dragons. Scheduling and editing. Doing a podcast is easy. Yeah. 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 This is uh, Crazy X-Pod Friends. Uh, to clarify about the title, uh, we are still friends, but we did used to have a pod. So we are X-Pod Friends. Uh, but now we might... Well, this is a quest. This is our quest to once again be pod friends. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, TV's Kevin Lanigan, whose Patreon this is hosted on. And joining me uh, uh, for uh, the, the inaugural episode of this show, Wyatt's Cat Scott. Uh, hello what's up you guys it's cat <laughs> scott i use the pronouns and i am a creator and we'll just leave it at that wow. um creator, right now a I'm molder to, a shaper right now i'm trying to fight off the shame of getting an 80 percent on this media law midterm i cannot seem to shake it from my brain i'm like embarrassed to show up for class i studied for a week i will say that the wording was super fucking confusing and they wouldn't give me partial credit so i'm trying to let that go and drop into the universe of crazy ex-girlfriend i'm in grad school kevin and i met when you had just graduated actually right yeah i i i was i was making my my web series in the uh follow-up of my graduating college yes wow that's wild and then i went to that college and then many things happened a lot of other things happened a lot of events on the timeline (laughs) um yes absolutely and 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 that is the station at which we find ourselves and in that post-grad as i met you doing uh that particular web series uh, uh we became friends we started talking about show tunes on the radio and uh also uh, uh, a show entered both of our lives and that show was called crazy ex-girlfriend um absolutely let's talk a little bit about our mutual shared history with this show before we dive into the first two episodes um crazy ex-girlfriend comes along in late 2015 um, wow. And I, I think I caught, yeah, so, like, the year I graduated from college, right? Like, a few months after I graduated from college. And uh, luckily enough for me, you know, my favorite show, Community, had just ended. Just ended. And uh, Curry's ex-girlfriend was nice enough to come along and be like, hey, I'm your new favorite show. I'm your favorite show on the air now. And I said, thank you. So are you, I, are you making content in the order that you it was your favorite show? Because no, you in, just in did order, a Community podcast. <laughs> no, in order to for that to have been the case, I would have had to have done a lost podcast previous to the community podcast. It's not too late. It's such an anachronistic piece already that you could just do lost later. It's and gonna it happen at some its point, form. right? And it's and it's non sequential narrative and it's use of flashback structure. Yeah, we'll pretend the whole podcast is a flashback. <laughs> it's taking place exactly. in the past before the community podcast. Um, but but the show came along, and then I remember introducing it to you, and oh, wow. we Thank started you. watching. Yeah, you're welcome. I think, like, the AV Club or Vox or something. Like, I caught on to it, uh, like, halfway through the first season. And then you and I started watching some episodes together. Specifically, I remember the one with The Rock, uh, where she sings the song, uh, You Stupid Bitch. I remember watching that one with you very specifically <laughs> because we were both very stressed out. It was a very stressful half hour of uh, of television. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember anything. I know that I came into 
it's nice. I don't remember any of the songs. Maybe I think I remember one bisexual song. Sure. Um, Famous song. I remember being really like pleased when I got which musical or like thing that it was referencing. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to experience that again. But yeah, I guess if I started it in 2015, that was like in my last year (laughs) of drug and alcohol use. So it makes sense that I remember so little. (laughs) Very little of Crazy's girlfriend, right? That's a But I know that I, I came into I came into Rebecca's life. No, she came into my life. I remember <laughs> watching one of her YouTube videos. I steal pets from the popular people and then dress the pets up like the oh, popular, like popular people. people. I steal pets from the popular people and hide them all in a shed. Yeah. And Good wow. song. It's a Once, pop. It was a banger. Like having someone have the same weird mind that like needs to make songs out of weird fucked up things that happen. Like... There's, I don't know, there's lots of us out there that, like, when bad shit happens, you just sort of start humming your own little weird melody on the fly about what's going on. Absolutely. And to see, like, huge productions of that um, in a produced and smart way was very fulfilling. I also enjoyed watching, like, the mental health narrative arc. I do remember that she gets, like, diagnosed with later in the series and it's fun knowing that and watching the pilot (laughs) and and the second episode it um is fulfilling that's right Uh, yeah i'm mostly excited to like relive like that guy from frozen singing stuff oh it's Um, great he does sing some stuff um yeah oh and you haven't met one of my favorite characters yet the um the aubrey plaza of the show (laughs) indeed Big Aubrey Plaza energy. I think she comes in in the next episode. Um, if my recent uh, COVID binge of this show um, is any indication. Because I never, the, the first time I watched it, I never finished it. I cannot, I cannot um, explain why. I just like had fallen off of all television shows and the fourth season was coming out. And I watched the first few episodes and I was like, I don't remember the third season very well at all. Like I just, I, I, and then I spent too long and then I had to, to wait. And then I put it up for the media madness tournament that we just did for advanced media studies. And I was like really pushing for this show to win. I was pulling music video clips and I was, I was bringing in the actors to get them retweets. Donalyn Champlin, you know, was all over it. Um, and we, we ended up losing and my heart was broken. And then I, I tested positive for COVID and it really like <laughs> laid laid me down. I had a uh, 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 it was a real motherfucker case of COVID. And essentially, wait, what for... is? Can you describe what COVID is for me? Because I know in 2015 we didn't have COVID. You know what you're describing? Yeah. yeah. What is? Back in your t- I'm see, so you are from 2015, and I am in the- good, perfect. Um, I'm just trying to get my head back there because I now I just also connected the dots. One reason that I might not remember a lot is because I was still straight, so I was watching the show through wow. this like straight lens of like, oh, I have a huge crush on White Josh, who's gay, mm, and I have a girl this. like the girl crush thing was fun to watch now being really gay uh-huh. there's just thing i'm i'm realizing as i'm speaking that yeah um the show I, hits at a lot of my, levels yeah this is the first time i'm watching it being gay 
and being a sober alcoholic because I know a character gets sober as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So this actually, this is going to hit in some very emotional places. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you're ready. Uh, I, I rock and roll. Uh, but anyway, in my COVID uh, state, I uh, watched all four seasons in four days because I was incapable of doing anything else. Um, COVID sounds bad. COVID was not fun. Would not recommend getting it. But I did, you know, I went and stayed at the hotel program. They brought me three square meals a day. And literally all I did for four days was watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And uh, would recommend that experience, watching a lot of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Good show. And and then I messaged my friend Kat. And I was like, hey, I remember watching this show with you. And Kat said, podcast? And I said, like, well, I can't resist that particular carrot on a stick. <laughs> I've never said no <laughs> to that before in my life. And Damn, now we're I forgot here. that was my suggestion. This was here. You, I was sitting was here fault. being like, oh, yeah, I was invited to another podcast. And now I, I'm like, oh, wait, I brought this no. on. You're the myself. architect. You're the architect. This is, you, you're, this is <laughs> your fault. You're the maker of your own. This is a true Greek tragedy. You are the cause of your own downfall. <laughs> <laughs> you, Much you, like my media law midterm that I didn't think about for 10 minutes. Hey, yeah, congratulations, new record. 80%, <laughs> if it's anything like the media law midterms that I took, the 80% is a good grade. <laughs> it <laughs> was burning so weird. I studied yeah. so hard and the things that I missed wasn't because I didn't know which case it was referring to. It's because it felt like it was subjective and there was like yeah. no answer that felt not subjective and i was like can i write my answers for partial credit and they were like no okay i'm done sorry back to you because we are not talking about this anymore okay no and uh (laughs) this this uh we will we will slowly this is actually a serial style podcast where we'll learn steadily more and more about your media law midterm uh over the course of the show and i think i think adnan uh did it i think adnan uh wrote the the media law midterm um i'm i'm i am determined to catapult everyone back to 2015 by now referencing the podcast serial i'm taking us all back to when trump this show hasn't was... been elected yet i was no. straight yep. i was a straight girl and we all had serial fever i lived in missouri well we've come a long way yeah, we've come a long way, baby. And uh, and we're, we're rocking and rolling, but let's start talking about uh, the actual show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Sure, 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 um, sure. Little, little behind-the-scenes visit, uh, you know, it, the show is co-created by by Rachel Bloom, uh, who plays Rebecca Bunch on the show, and Aline Brosh mckenna who's probably still best known outside of this show as the writer of the Devil Wears Prada screenplay oh. for, the, for the film Devil Wears Prada. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and Aline saw some of Rebecca's um, produced music videos and uh, was like, this person should have a show. And they they ended up, uh, uh, you know, uh, writing a pilot, sold the pilot to Showtime, started co-writing the songs. Uh, Jack Dolgan is the co-screenwriter, or co-lyricist, and Adam Schlesinger from... Uh, R.I.P. Uh, from from Fountains of Wayne was the was the you know uh, the the composer for for the wow. songs and wow. they yeah and they produce a thirty minute pilot for Showtime and Showtime decides to not pick it up. Um, <laughs> that is so, so stupid, dumbass, and so stupid <laughs> at Showtime. So they 
shot they you can run hear the- me sorry you can hear me googling fountains of wayne to remember which song stacy's mom stacy's mom is going wow. yeah stacy's mom makes uh, so much sense composed all the music wow. And uh, the music for the show is uh, unstoppably great the entire time, you know, like it's and so varied and they cover so many different genres and styles. It's it's incredible work that, again, sadly taken from us, Adam Schlesinger uh, did did truly genius work on on this show. But they they shop it around to every cable network. Every cable network says no. And then eventually they end up at the fucking CW before the CW became just DC superhero shows and Riverdale before it was that it did have other shows and and they sold this one but they're like we don't do 30 minutes we do hours so film some more shit <laughs> and they were like okay um and and there you go and that's crazy ex-girlfriend had to cut some stuff for time uh no or or and content notably um uh, a, a depressing hand job and a topless woman were both cut from this pilot um, according to Rachel Bloom's book that I just read in like two days. Oh, I need to read that. That's it's somewhere really in good, my home. It's a really good read. Um, I'm not going to read the entire process of uh, 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 the show getting picked up by the CW, but it's fascinating and it happens in like six months less time than it normally would happen you know like it, it happened in yeah. over the course of like a couple days as opposed to a couple months um wild wild shit does she does she have no um she has uh depression and anxiety um, Heard of it. and and talks about it a lot in the in the book oh and uh obsessive compulsive disorder um and that was that's the that's the big one and i was wondering in reading the book i'm like how how similar are rachel bloom and rebecca bunch really you know they share the same initials obviously this is a character <laughs> that comes from like a personal place but it's not they they the two characters do not share much in the way of biographical details Okay. Um, they they are not uh, similar in that way. It seems like a much healthier relationship with Rachel's parents than Rebecca's parents end up being over the course of the show. Um, they they suffer from different things. You know, Rachel went to Tisch <laughs> to, to, to study musical theater. It was not ever a lawyer or anything like that. Um, but uh, that's that's some that's some background info for you. Um, and uh, let's let's dive into this first episode, season one, episode one. Josh just happens to live here. Directed by Mark Webb, uh, who folks might remember as the director of 500 Days of Summer and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. He did those, brought in, in a thing that happens pretty regularly in pilots now where they get like a famous person to direct the first episode and then that famous person does not have anything else to do with the rest of the show it's Um, kind of like the season one showrunner thing right like the showrunner like like phoebe waller bridge uh killing mm -hmm. eve and jj abrams most projects and i'm guessing jj loves to dip yeah jj loves to dip and yeah oh shonda is not and I, I have nothing but love and respect for Shonda Rhimes. Shonda is not in four different writers' rooms every day uh, working on working on Scandal also, or, or Bridgerton. Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy is one. And back to J.J. Abrams for one second. That's, for sure. That's because you referenced Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, Which he leaves J- within a few episodes to go direct, like, Mission Impossible 3. He is yeah. out extraordinarily quickly on Lost. 
So he um, has a daughter, and she's very sad, and she makes indie cool. sad girl bedroom pop music. So yeah. if you ever want to explore that, there is an Abrams out there that my sibling really likes. Wow. Uh, both, both musical, because uh, J.J. Abrams was briefly a film composer. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, he's, the, of course, the composer for Night Beast, um, and uh, that's his most Never famous uh, job to date, is as the composer of Night Beast. I don't know and, Night Beast. No, of course you don't. No one knows Night Beast, but I know it as the movie that J.J. Abrams is the credited composer on, um, and that is um, no, Force Awakens who? Alias what? Oh, I, he's the composer of Night Beast. And uh, that is how I'll always know him. Uh, the episode is co-written by Rachel Bloom and Aline Brush McKenna. Uh, in this episode, we meet Rebecca Bunch, a uh, insecure but high-powered New York lawyer um, who has essentially a nervous breakdown and uh, at that same time encounters her uh, brief summer camp boyfriend, Joshua Felix Chan, and makes the rash decision to move to West Covina, California. And and we, we meet the whole supporting cast. We meet, well, almost all the supporting cast. We meet Paula, we meet Greg, we meet Daryl. Um, and and the show is off to the fucking races. There's a terrible house party. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a lot going on in this episode. And multiple musical numbers. Absolutely. Can you remind me what pretzels are about uh what do you mean what are pretzels about (laughs) there's like many different pretzels in the pilot and i don't remember i think i I missed the first pretzel to understand Mm -hmm. the rolling pretzel imagery it i also did not pick up on a specific reason why there are so many pretzels it perhaps if i were to go to West Covina's website, perhaps they are known (laughs) for their pretzels or something to that effect. But I am also unsure why there are so many pretzels. Because it Um, reminds me of the banana stand of Arrested Development. And I do mm -hmm. know that Balboa is famous for their chocolate covered bananas. Um, So a quick Google West Covina pretzels. Someone has looked it up. Other many people have been like, what is going on with the giant pretzel that she floats away on at the end of the first song? The first song that is not from South Pacific. There is a web exclusive featuring the cast called soft pretzels. Fine. I think maybe, I think pretzels come up a few times and then in season four, uh, we'll have to we'll have to keep our eyes open for why the pretzel is so significant over the course. You know, her life is tied in knots. You know, she's gone from bagels to pretzels, a different oh. hard salted bread. Uh, <laughs> on, the, on the east coast, we have bagels. On the west coast, they have pretzels, and that is the, now a stereotype that I'm developing. Anytime one of my New York comedy friends is like, "I'm moving to Los Angeles," and be like, "Oh, for the pretzels." <laughs> it's gonna be great everyone's gonna love it everyone's gonna love my new running bit um and it's gonna it's gonna be good uh but this i think the the show does a really remarkable job in the first act of like laying all of the track to get rebecca out to west covina in like what 10 minutes i feel Mm -hmm. like if this show had been made for netflix she would not go to west covina until the end of the pilot 
at least. Um, but this being produced for regular TV, they're like 10 minute. We need like a pilot is supposed to be the premise of the show, not set up for the premise of the show. So she goes to West Covina, California, and it's done in a big, big, uh, musical number. What in your mind are the musical references of this opening number? Because I've never been able to pin down exactly what it's a play on. The okay, so one of them was the get was the getting ready song in the first one. Well, the I'm talking specifically of just the West Covina um, musical number, where like talking about the the only one that ever hits me is it kind of reminds me of the provincial life song from Beauty and the Beast. That is that is the one that like it rings a little bell like that for me. Um, I see that. Yeah, I do think I think it's just supposed to be like the big. The big music man entering the town. The mm-hmm. big um, singing in the rain. Gotta dance, gotta dance. Like full, just like sure. the big studio Hollywoody. But the joke is, it's not Hollywood. It's West Covina. Um, it's in California. It's tangential to Hollywood. Um, very like, I think maybe that's the joke. Like, okay, um, sure. The big hopefully. like. I'm arriving, it would be an I'm arriving in Hollywood number, but it's an I'm arriving in West Covina uh, number. Yeah, two bucks, two bags, one me, yeah. mm -hmm. Just two hours from the beach for, uh, with traffic. And uh, yeah, because that's really, because I think there there are other numbers in the show that have a much more like direct reference that they are a play on, but I've just never been able to exactly. So it's sort of just a general like ingenue, maybe an I want song, but it's like denying itself being an I want song. Where it's like she keeps almost saying she's arriving for Josh, but she is replacing Josh with West Covina. It's very clever. Good lyricism, I will so say. so fun. Yeah, it's so fun. And I love, I forgot, I just love the setup of Paula. Like, by she's the so time good. I was watching later seasons, I kind of probably lost, like, how it all started. And the way they introduce her and her, just like her comedic, it just is like such a great well-developed comedic character because object like <laughs> it i don't know it throws me back to like acting classes and study which i don't think about anymore but she's just such a good i think textbook case of someone who like has an objective really leans into her reality is yeah. like a like a satire queen like would thrive yeah. in like a portlandia setting like just like really totally about her um her thing and her thing is really extreme but you're like with her and i think like sh- what a great what a great like counterpart to um rebecca absolutely it's a great play on a, a you know in a romantic comedy this is the funny best friend who does nothing but comment on the main character's relationship and it's not that like obviously paula gets very invested in the uh, rebecca and josh relationship but it manifests in a way you've never fully seen before where she is capable of like d- dark and terrible things in pursuit of this of this relationship that she's overly invested in and i just and love that she's it's like this is giving her energy i don't know i relate to this when i when i'm going through like depression or something similar to her where she's like i'm just so 
bored and so unhappy. <laughs> My and, life like, is so empty. And I have like and I have like ADHD and I need to hyper focus on something. <laughs> My, and so I like, need some hot goss to hyper focus on. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I get this energy towards my friends sometimes and I always have to pull back where I'm like tell me about your boyfriend everything about it let's read every text show me every e like you're upset I'm upset for you let's kill him um, I accidentally <laughs> fell into that I actually went on a Paula spree like a month ago where my friend um, was going through a breakup and she was also going through a justifiably hard time and the breakup was really fucked given the circumstances but i definitely took it to the extreme where i was posting like i'm going on a trip to kill this person's ex i'm going to fly all the way to st louis to commit murder will someone be my alibi and like looking back like should this man die by any unnatural causes like i'm suspect number one now because i put it all there. over instagram yeah and um but I, I pulled a full Paula. I like got like my Southwest points together. I got a <laughs> ticket to St. Louis. I flew there and I pulled wow. a whole like I'm like babysitting this best friend for three days and just letting them spiral. And so maybe that's why I'm particularly attached to Paula now is because like <laughs> I did that. I you see something of, of yourself in Paula. Right and uh, and and Paula's Paula's a wonderful character and played by the great Donna Lynn Champlin, uh, a Broadway baby in her own right. Uh, Can I, you the, tell me her Broadway um, like the the bona fides? The one list. that I am aware of, she was uh, Pirelli in uh, the Michael Cervais production of Sweeney Todd, um, <gasps> which is what I am. And and not to attribute uh, credits to her, but she was also Renee Elise Goldsberry's college roommate, um, which is, uh, again, keeping it sort of in the in the Hamilton world. Um, and that is that is it. But I don't actually, I don't have a, what is the Broadway equivalent of IMDb? It's like Internet Broadway Database or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think it's IBDB and it it's never been really well well taken No, it's care of. it's not maintained. It's if you think IMDB is a lawless wasteland, I mean god help you. It, with well, with fuck? IBDB. Renee is 51. God Whoa. That is wild. That's something. Girls fight yeah. of is really good by the way. If you're missing uh, yeah. if you're missing the energy of crazy ex-girlfriend, you can take you can the one season of Pearl's Five of uh, using Kevin Lanigan's Peacock Plus account. <laughs> I'm glad the Peacock Plus is going to is going to good use. Yeah, Sweeney Todd up on there. Billy Elliot. Uh, she was in for four years. Uh, <laughs> Billy Elliot. Um, so there you uh, go. So them's would, them uh, them them's them bona fides. And uh, yeah, so she was she's uh, she's an excellent performer, an excellent singer, and uh, we get a little taste of that in these episodes, but it's only going to get bigger and more so from here on. Um, let's see what else? we we meet Daryl in the sequence as well. Uh, Daryl, they lean really hard into the like offensive white guy thing here out of the gate, and I'm glad that is something that they. It, it lean away from pretty quickly. We we steer into a different like uh, skid with Daryl coming up. Pete Gardner, uh, great as Daryl. Originally, uh, the role was um, cast uh, for Michael McDonald, uh, which would have been interesting, but would have been a completely different 
character over the course of the show. So nice that like everyone <clears throat> can hear me um, Google every reference that Kevin, that makes. Kevin makes. Yeah, it's <laughs> not the Michael McDonald that will show up first. You need to type in something like Michael McDonald Mad TV, um, and that will give you the correct guy. That will oh, give you the different. guy that it actually oh, very is. Very different. Yeah, He's the guy who uh, gets run over by the steamroller in the first Austin Powers movie. Oh <laughs> Does that help you? Leprechaun 2, uh, the year I was born. Leprechaun 2 was just in Halloween Kills, so the only person to be killed by both Mike Myers and Michael Myers. Um <laughs> <laughs> a good actor, a good um, he's a he's a he's a good uh, director. He's a he's a talented gentleman. Uh, one of the one Mike of the best Myers... people. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, just one of the best people to ever come off of Mad TV, a bad show that did have a lot of good talent pass through it. See also Key and Peel. <laughs> wow, he really he really did it in the nineties. Um, what do you think Mike Myers is doing right now? Not the not the murderer, but. Um... The yeah, man I saw him in of... some stuff recently. Well, honestly, recently the thing I've seen him in most recently, there's a lot of. Uh, I want to say it's for like General Motors, and he's like bringing back Doctor Evil for like General Motors commercials. He just did Wayne's World for like Uber Eats, so he's doing a lot of like I'm bringing back my classic characters to sell advertisements, and I, you know, everyone's got a got bills to pay, but I would love. Would love someone like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson or even you know the dreaded Quentin Tarantino to like get this guy back on screen in like a good way. I would love to see Mike Myers again. I want to see him back on my screen. I love him. So he's actually like fine and can do whatever he wants because he made three million for Shrek, ten million for Shrek Two, and fifteen million for Three and Four. I do forget that he is Shrek and has honestly been consistently working as shrek in all the specials and thing i do forget sometimes that he yeah, is the, it the doesn't big even ogre show called that. shrek it, it doesn't even show like the specials on this uh mike myers net worth.com right so they're not talking com. about like you know shrek spooky halloween or whatever like they're not yeah. they're not even chalking that up um so there you go so mike myers is doing fine i just i would like to see him like do acting again i saw him in a terrible margot robbie movie but also had like oh. simon Pegg in it called terminal uh one of the worst pieces of shit i've ever seen but it was like eh, margot robbie mike myers simon Pegg. i i i will watch this film all the way through i simply must um i regret nothing and uh we also meet of course uh greg um a, a <laughs> that was a character <laughs> that i love thank you uh greg uh played by sentino fontana uh from a little movie called frozen um also i want to say tootsie on broadway a lot of broadway bona fides across this across this entire cast here that's so um, disappointing isn't it it's a little it's 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 not it's not great don't know what to tell you <laughs> No, yeah, there's nothing more. There's nothing more there's to nothing say more on the matter. Um, and we will never will mention enjoy. him again across the entire book. We will not mention Santino Fontana. No, we can, we can talk about him because no, I'm I just going to pretend, much like I would probably talk about some of Johnny Depp's work right now. I can't sure. entirely separate this from the art, uh, but I, can, I guess I can talk about the characters. So I definitely want to talk about 
Greg. Sure. I love Greg. <sighs> it fits into a television archetype that apparently I respond to very strongly. The acerbic male bartender character, you know, the 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 Nick Miller uh, from TV's New Girl. That, that I just I I have always glommed on to Greg for reasons that I cannot fully understand or articulate. But I love him. He's my handsome boy. He's my handsome Italian boy. I want to see you in that kind of role before I die. I would too. On, on I would television. honestly. I on would like to television. see me in that role as well. Thank you. I will. Let's make it happen. Let's manifest. Actually, no. Um, st- more like streaming. I don't actually need to see you on like CW or ABC. Like I don't want sure. cable. I mean, I would um, love that paycheck though. No, like but the... like I could see you at like Netflix or like sure. Hulu. Would take or, actually more than anything at HBO because I'm an HBO ho for life. Yeah, absolutely. We we stand. Uh we stand HBO. And uh and it's many fine uh products. I'm currently uh working my way through Secession. Good show. Oh my god. That is my shared language for my family trauma. Whenever anybody watches Succession, I'm like I can finally talk about my family with you. <laughs> you can finally understand. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, knowing that, I will say, I'm so fucking sorry. <laughs> that's, that's so terrible. I mean, you know, you, you know, I know, that, I you know, know here and there about my, my, uh, sordid, uh, villain origin story, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it does remind me of succession in a lot of ways I was also uh, on a very watching... micro scale. Yeah. So that is nice. It's nice to see something like so like an opera of of your life sure. where you're like this is an extreme version i have the same feelings but, but it's, it's not emotionally nearly the same right stakes. exactly exactly which which fiction is 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 liable to do it's not it's not my exact experience but it feels real i was on hbo max before logging on to this skype call i was watching the original gossip girl thank um, you for being honest i i would never lie about watching gossip girl i've done it for many years <laughs> I watched I actually, it when it was originally on too. I watched. I also have watched the HBO uh, new Gossip Girl, and I'm how up to it? date, I believe. How is it? Is it? Is it anything? Where, where are you in it? I have not watched the original. Uh, I've not watched the new one. I've watched the original one. I am. Oh. I, that's the one I was watching. Was the the Blake Lively, the Leighton Meester, the Penn Badgley? Oh, I want to. Yeah, I want to go back there. That'll you bring me into some it's seventh grade buried childhood memories. What? It's. It's fucking good. It's fucking juicy. It it holds up. It's really strong. It's good shit. It's good TV. You're like, oh, what are these teens going to get up to next? If you want a show that'll make you go like, ah, oh, come on. Like twice an episode? Gossip Girl. Perfect. Perfect. A perfect um, show. Exactly. So we meet Greg. I actually took a um, screen cap because I was talking about how I've been through three like identical breakups in the last six months that... Like, the arc was exactly the same. It was basically, Mm -hmm. like, Hero's Journey or, like, television show. Or, like, I made a playlist about it called Copy-Paste Trans Mask Non-Binary Person Here. And it's Uh just Uh songs to get over the same situation over and over and over and over. And I was kind of talking partially about that because there's a lot to say with someone. And... um. (laughs) <laughs> the clip wait let me find it the clip where greg is talking to rebecca for the first time and it's i wonder if the audio will play you're smart you're smart. You're smart. You're smart. 
You're pretty, you're smart, and you're ignoring me, so you're obviously so you're my obviously type. you're obviously my type. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, it's a it's a good line. It's a good bit. Um, and that's and that's the kind of that's a good that's the good high quality level headed stuff that Greg's going to keep giving you. Greg Serrano is going to keep serving that up on a fine on a fine silver platter over the course of his tenure on Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and 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 it's good. And and Rebecca makes a series of terrible decisions, as uh, I'm sure. But this will be the last of her terrible decisions, right? She's not going to keep making bad yeah. and rash decisions over the. No. Yeah, it's TV. <laughs> you don't think. Uh, no, she's gonna be fixed. She's good after she's good after these two. I can feel it. And um, it's it, it, the the parties. It's that you know. The, I love the sort of weird montage of them kind of like making out all over the party as she's like scoping out Josh. Oh, that um, was so weird. That whole scene was painful to it's watch. Very strange. It's very and his like his like kind of gym to camera, never fully to camera, but his sort of consistent uh, awareness. Um, I do feel like it was a little almost too played out, but um, yeah, it was all about it was all about Greg's reactions in that. And then uh, I, that's probably where the the hand job was cut out. I yeah. feel like it has to have been right, especially because he does like tuck his dick back in at the end of the scene. There are like things on this show that I am surprised that they got away with on the CW television network. And this is some of the first of them. Um, and, and yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, I think the obvious standout of this first episode, the thing that certainly when I was first watching it locked me onto this show as something I was going to keep watching is the sexy getting ready song. Um, <laughs> I like it, it too. It's a good fucking song. It's a good jam. Um, Rachel Bloom talks about in her book because she has she had this popular uh, YouTube video, "Fuck Me Ray Bradbury," where she did oh, yeah. like uh, the Britney Spears like schoolgirl dance look, and she became furious because people in the comments were like actually being horny. So she vowed from that moment forth in songs where things are kind of sexy, she would always include a boner killer in the song she as she described like i want to make sure no one is fully turned on by this i will put a boner killer in there and in uh this song it simply has to be when she's waxing <laughs> her asshole and like sprays blood all over the tub again cannot believe they're getting away with this on the cw the network that airs the flash <laughs> i um did something similar in uh, theater camp where I would like tempt boys in with like do you want to watch me eat a banana and I did this like with my friend Nitty and <laughs> and I was like Nitty doesn't have a gag reflex wanna watch us and like Nitty would like deep throat it and then I would like start to swallow it and then I would just like gnash it with my teeth just like <laughs> nod it and like all the boys watching me would like go, oh my god, and like grab their crotch. <laughs> <laughs> and all, the, all the guys watching her would like, it would take them a second to like see what was bit. happening. That's a yeah, good Yeah, it was bit. a good bit. I know. I, maybe bit. I peaked when I was 16, honestly. <laughs> You're a creative peak. Um, yeah, goddamn. God bless. And, but that's um, my boner killer reference of the day. The You'll get one killer. every time. Uh, we'll make a little I, noise. Wow, wow, wow. It'll be like, <laughs> something like that some i gotta unlock like the hanna-barbera sound effects library or something I could. 
boomerang. Yeah. Or the fucking, what is the, or the uh, slide, like a slide whistle. <laughs> I like the, as if like the boner comes back up. It goes like back inside your body. Uh, <laughs> everyone's penis doesn't hide inside their body until it's time. It doesn't like. So fun fact for the audience, while there's a little pause in the, in the moment, um, uh-huh. that, oh, now I'm regretting. No, I'm not. I'm going to go for it. So when you go on testosterone as someone who is assigned female at birth, um, that you get something called an enlarged, it's not called that, but you get an enlarged clitoris and it also gets a little boner. And it is so funny. That little guy. Seen that little guy doing its little thing? It's like <laughs> watching like a... Oh, you what think it's like when a kid know? pretends to be an adult? It's like when a kid, it's like when a kid like puts on dad's suit and briefcase is like, I'm going to the office. Yeah, and I do think I'm developing like a small penis complex. I'm like, I want a huge motorcycle. I want a monster truck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have tiny hands and a tiny dick now. What can I do I, to overcompensate? I hog. Yeah, exactly. What can I? What can I do? Um, it's time, it's your time to overcompensate. It's your time to buy like a fucking sports car. It's your, it's your time to start wearing garish, uh, patterned shirts. It's your time. It's your time. <laughs> I already been doing that for years. Yeah, you're fucking So I'm on it. my way. I'm on my way. Okay, so bonus. Uh, let's talk about next the next, segue. next epi. Um, <laughs> season one, episode two, Josh's girlfriend is really cool. Uh, directed by Don Scardino, again, written by Rachel Bloom and Aline Broche McKenna. Uh, in this episode, we are introduced to Valencia, uh, Josh's uh, really cool, really hot girlfriend who is really good at yoga. And uh, Rebecca makes the questionable decision of trying to get close to Valencia. Uh, and uh, surprise, surprise, ends up fucking the whole thing up. I mean, who's, did you see this coming? I didn't see this coming. <laughs> I what didn't the see the means in which she conducted herself. Like I sure. didn't. Rem- I don't. I guess I don't remember this season vividly because of mm-hmm. drug addiction or something. But yeah. um, who can? <laughs> but she, um, yeah, I didn't remember this uh, first, especially girl crush. Like that is that is fun to watch as a gay person there's a lot of fun reversals and things happening in there that that's very like i kissed a girl right and like oh feeling kind of naughty the the song that she sings is definitely i kissed a girl like there's similar like shot compositions and shit it's playing off that like he 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 i oh i would feel a little gay uh but not not so gay that it like offends you you know like it's that that era of of (laughs) of pop and uh, no, it's absolutely in there. And love a reference to uh, Behind the Candelabra, <laughs> the Liberace TV movie. Oh, that was so funny and random. Yeah. 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 Fuck it. It's fun. It's kind of like 30 Rock in that way, where you're like, I got to really pay attention because they're going to throw a lot of references at you. So, like, it's going to be a lot of ready. jokes per minute or a lot of like complex things per minute in every song that like really rewards like a, a repeat viewing. Um, oh, wait, I have a question about first episode. I must have yes. been not paying close enough attention, but the end was so funny, and I don't remember... When, like, it, like the stars spell Josh, and then they're like, we're gonna get him, Rebecca. Oh, no, wait, maybe I'm thinking of... No, 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 no. So I like the buttons at the end of these. Oh, like with the... Like the Vampire Weekend one, Nipsey and then, Hustle. like, the rapper yeah. one, where he apologizes to each woman. Oh, my God, that was, like, one of my favorite 
bits That's I've seen in a long time. And for that just to be the end, the button, I'm like, wow, yeah. like community did this, but I think I, this is doing it better so far. Like the, the two for sure. They're very strong. They're very good. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, the rapper is Nipsey Hussle playing himself. Um, <laughs> and it's great. Um, and, uh, and it, it rules. Uh, but this episode, I, um, so there's a, there's a comic series that I love that I was reading recently, a very, uh, gay action sci-fi comedy series fun called, home. Cr- called Crowded. Yeah. Fun <laughs> Home. My favorite sci-fi action comedy. <laughs> like, fun Home. <laughs> Uh, Bechdel really tells a great action story. The kineticism of Alison Bechdel's art is is unparalleled. No, it's wait until you hear Crow- what the Bechdel test is. It's oh, it's <laughs> wild. Galactic. Yeah, oh. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's okay. Um, but it's called Crowded. <laughs> um, and it's a it's a great book. And in the book, a character said something I've never heard like fully articulated before. Um, where uh, she says, like, the straights don't really have this problem, but often in the queer community, when you're fascinated by someone, you're not sure if you want to be with them or you want or to you want be to fuck them. them. If you want yeah. to become you want to fuck them, them or be them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, wow, that's like a really, like, kind of kind of profound thing. As Rebecca attempts to, like, a single white female <laughs> Valencia a little bit. Um, and it's, but it's, but it's, but it's good. Um, and then Valencia does her own like Bollywood number. Uh, okay, which question. Is yeah, Gabrielle Ruiz uh, Indian? <laughs> yeah, not, I was uh... gonna Google it because I was like, I don't think this would happen today because I, I, I feel like agree. people are a lot more careful about like not mm-hmm. being like, oh, you have <laughs> a different skin tone. We're gonna have you play a different ethnicity. Any brown person right i think and i'm not this might sound weird it is very hard to look this up she's, it is often very difficult she she's is mexican so she's not not indian in any way yeah okay um well Which they, like, they reference they reference her being like latina in different ways they do. but someone could be both you know, like it, it. That's not impossible, but yeah, she definitely is. Is is not, and um, I think even wow, how how society has grown that even seven years later, I think we'd think twice about yeah. doing that about doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's a fun number, and like there's something about the camera or the color grading on that particular number that's like really. I'm like, did they just get a much better camera for this one musical number? Because uh, every time they're like cutting back, I know it's like an intentional like back and forth. Every time they're cutting back to Rebecca like doing yoga, but I'm like, this feels like you got a much better shooting setup for like this one musical number. It was Maybe really pretty. I agree. It's yeah. really, it's really good looking. It's, it's and- color graded really well. <laughs> like it's, it's a good looking sequence, uh, but it is also a little uh, racially questionable. I will say. Yeah, it's always hard when something happens because it takes me out and then I sort of like disassociate and can't really like fully be in it. And then and when I do laugh, I'm like, eh, should I let, shouldn't this have been cut? So that was like kind of what 
where I was. Mm-hmm. When you think a, something could be cut and you're like trying to enjoy it, and you're like, I don't know if I can really lean Once in. Once you get into your meta lens, it is unfortunately like, ah, oh, well, now I'm not getting back. It's going to take me a little while to get reimmersed in the fiction. Yeah, um, like Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter, 100%. Like Harry I still Potter. haven't I still haven't touched it in this pandemic, which is surprising because if you had told me like five it's years ago so that long. I was going to go through a pandemic and I wasn't going to use harry potter as a drug of choice once i would have been like yeah. you're crazy this uh the uh, the the move i did in october was like uh all right all my harry potter stuff is like staying behind it's done it's gone i'm not i'm not engaging with it um anymore and i'm not telling everyone what to do in their own personal life but like it's done for me like it's and it like Obviously, J.K. Rowling continues to be terrible and, and get terribler and terribler as it goes along. And then also, you, like, find out what was always in the book series, and you're like, oh, now it's, like, I can't even enjoy it, because, like, now I know how, like, <laughs> fucked up and racist it's been the entire time. Like, mm. oh, wow, the werewolves were a metaphor for AIDS victims, and you have almost all of them like prey on children intentionally and you just like are walking around saying that and that and that so you know me and harry potter we're done so we're on the outs i think we're, I, I think i'm done with the boy who lived wish he died Sorry. i'm not quite i'm not quite there but i i respect your perspective and envy it in a lot of ways Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm very enviable. People people often talk about how they wish they were me. Um, yeah. That has, no, it's never happened before in my entire <laughs> life. Um, not one time. Has anyone be like, ah, you got it. <laughs> I'm jealous <laughs> of you. Um, it's, it's, it's what it is. Um and uh but this but this is a this is a strong we're introduced to more of the supporting cast white josh uh yes. shows up in this episode hector shows up in this episode um and we we were starting to fill out the the beautiful little community of west covina um we still don't have heather who is the aubrey plaza the aforementioned aubrey plaza um, yeah but we're getting we're getting there we don't have kevin who works at home base um something i forgot to mention about the pilots are always interesting to go back to once you're used to like the later episodes of a show because you're like yeah oh wow this was like a real location you filmed in and then i just got used to like the set on the soundstage you built that kind of looks like the location you used in the pilot Mm. um see also the community study room where you go back to the pilot and you're like oh wow you filmed this one in like an actual library this this <laughs> one and now and then you kind of build something that kind of looks like it <laughs> kind of um hey whatever whatever works make it work yeah no. that's a good point i wasn't even looking for that what were some of the songs besides the the bollywood song in this episode uh feeling kind of naughty was the only other one it's uh there were only two oh, so in good. this there were i forget i forget that it's sort of like a like a disney movie in that way that it's like not a ton of there aren't a ton of songs. There's just like mm-hmm. a few memorable ones. Sometimes there are generally between two and four per episode. Um, and, and sometimes they are reprises, uh, but across 66 episodes, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend did 157 musical numbers. That's which insane. 
even counting brief reprises, is impossible. Like, I, I, I cannot understand how they did that on a television production schedule alone, besides coming up with 157 songs over the course of four years. Fucking Lennon and McCartney didn't come up with 157 songs over the course of four years. Um, it's unbelievable what they were able to pull off on no money on a show that no one was watching. <laughs> like, it was just, it's, it's, it's truly incredible. Damn. That's wild. I'm so glad that they, they did that for us. Thank you. I guess Glee would be the one that I'm, but they didn't, yeah. none of that was original. Except for, like, the one or two episodes where they're like, we wrote some original songs. They're terrible, but we wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> they're awful. They're bad. Um, right? But, I mean, you know, Glee has such a mixed cultural representation or uh, 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 reputation nowadays. But, really? Uh, for sure. I think it's mostly negative. But Glee, There's a I mean, lot of rewatch of it during the pandemic. For and sure. That, There's a lot of podcasts. It's a big pod business. And like, regardless of anyone's feelings about Glee, it is kind of hard to remember like, yeah, this was like a television sensation for a few seasons there. Like the first few seasons of Glee are like, they were must-see TV and like everyone was watching them. But also like, again, regardless of quality, they did like four musical numbers an episode. And you gotta give it up, because that's impossible. That should not have worked. They should not have been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I have a... It's There's no really end to this story. It's just a... It's a confession. I have a crush on someone who is a assistant director for High School Musical, the musical, the series. Hey! And I was trying to get them to hang out with me when I was in California... And it's been it's been revealed over the last few days more and more how uh, unavailable they are for anything romantic. So I'm trying to shift my my little gay brain into a more friend space. Um, but they were saying I was trying to get them to like come hang out in an hour south of of California where my mom lives, and they were like, "Ah, oh, like I can't that day because like the next day we're shooting." something with like 80 dancers and like two musical numbers i'm just like oh my god it's a it's a, it's a nightmare i mean like a I, I i will not you know reference the book constantly but like uh rachel bloom does get into like the schedule of a typical day of crazy ex-girlfriend and it's it's obscene it's absurd especially if you're rachel bloom and you're like okay you're the star you're a writer you co-write every song you're in charge of the what they they call the musical numbers music videos um in in that is how they refer to them and they are also like the you know co-director of those it's just absurd it shouldn't have worked and god help me it shouldn't have been good (laughs) much less like existed i wonder and i will continue to wonder as we watch this what her meaningful relationships in her life were like during this time and if they all had to be on set i don't know a lot about her i know that she was pregnant she was and had married a baby. during the entire run of the show she was married wow. um to uh-huh um and she did not have her she didn't have her kid until 2020 which is yeah. like a, a year after the show ends so that makes sense um but obviously they're 
marriage stayed strong enough during the production of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, that they have now had a child together. So, That's so yeah. impressive to like put yourself through that <laughs> just like extreme version of yourself I'm imagining and then like keep yeah. your personal life afloat at the same time. I mean that is far more impressive to me than anything Walking Phoenix or Jared Leto could ever do in their method bullshit. Absolutely. Goddamn right. And and it's it's so impressive. And it, Walking Phoenix and Jared Leto are not fucking doing musical numbers in all their little movies, in all their yeah. in all their little And they're not writing Apple it, TV and they're not shows. helming no. it, and they're not show running it, and they're not no. fucking don't have all their little mittens in there they're just like i'm an asshole on set i'm a jerk <laughs> i'm going to mail my condom rachel bloom didn't mail any condoms to no, viola davis of. yeah absolutely uh, yeah rachel bloom didn't uh mail any pig carcasses to margot robbie yeah, that, we, that know we know of, of. that we know yeah. of allegedly and didn't allegedly did not and and yeah, I, it's it's incredible and and the show is such a testament to her talent in all those many different fields and and skill sets um and that she was able to do it all simultaneously what is she doing right now i remember seeing something anything that i learned during the pandemic is sort of like goo um so oh well to whatever i learned she does a lot of voiceover um she does a lot of voiceover acting she was and she does like she was like the villain in trolls 2 (laughs) Uh, or I'm sorry, Trolls World Tour. You know, she does a lot of appearances where she must sing songs, um, which is now, like, something she's known for. She and Aline Brush McKenna are working, are, are, have sold another pilot, um, that will star Rachel Bloom in two roles. So Rachel Bloom just cannot help herself. She must make things as difficult on herself as possible. This is like a Tony Collette situation. Yeah, actually, when I compare houses, uh, Rachel Bloom and Tony Collette are in the same pocket. Wow. Yeah. I like it. And I would love I haven't to seen see Tony Rachel Collette Bloom do in two a musical hereditary. numbers in a I've in never United States it. of Terra. Yeah. Never Where was that? seen it. Where at? Yeah, why isn't one of your personalities of fucking musical Savant Terra of United <laughs> States of Terra? Song Come on. Rips the whole universe open into that specific personality existing in a, yeah. in a musical universe. That'd be kind of fun. Right. Rachel Bloom could do Hereditary, but Tony Collette could not do the sexy getting ready song. I actually bet she could. I take that back. I bet she could kill that, but she has not chosen to kill. I don't know. I feel like um, <laughs> this was such a. I don't. I don't know if I agree with the take that my brain just did. <laughs> I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna be like, I don't know. Rachel's crazy is inherently comedic. <laughs> like, yeah, I could see. <laughs> I know what you mean. I could see it, though. I could see her doing a horror turn. I think there could be something there. I could see her taking mm-hmm. something like that on. I want um, you to take that on, and I want you to be her oh, Greg counterpart. I would love that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's my <laughs> ideal. That's that's the platonic ideal. Um, that is that is my dream project. And I, I let's make it happen. Let's manifest. Yeah, let's fucking let's let's do it. I and you know what I would be because I talk about this a lot, but this is the first time on this pod that I'm talking about it. Rock and roll. You know what my role would be? I think I do, but let's hear it. Okay, so we have at least a three season arc, right? Yeah. Okay. Three season arc. So I am kind of like, kind of like, for lack of uh, comparisons, 
I'm like the white Josh of the show in that I am very gay. Sure, um, and sure. I exist to be hot and gay. Sure. And I have I have sex in the show. And right. I exist over three seasons. Um, I'm hot and I'm gay. And I'm actually a sober addict. Yeah. And I don't relapse don't for relapse. the entire course of my character. Nope. It doesn't happen. Lots of other dramatic things happen to me. Um, yeah. Dramatic, comedic. We have highs, we have lows, there's deaths, there's breakups, whatever. But I actually don't relapse. That does not become a stupid little plot point for me. Nah, so. no stupid little plots. You don't get any stupid little plots on our show. No. Only good I mean, little maybe plots. A, maybe a few, but not... Well, you know, there's three seasons. We gotta fill time. Yeah. <laughs> we got, or, and I'm picturing, like, three Gossip Girl-length seasons. So we got 20 episodes to fill, you know? We gotta... What's, they're not all gonna be bottle... winners. Let's go. Yeah, what's your bottle episode for your um, Rachel Bloom project? The Rachel, uh, the show I don't even have like a concept for. I think um, we are all in a bar, which would challenge your character. You know, that's that you could have you could have a little runner there, and um, I think we uh, decide to close down a bar with like a wild like darts tournament, and it turns into you know, sort of a long, dark night of the soul for each of us. Like, the dark <gasps> tournament becomes that us all so trying. That was so good in Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. Oh, I yeah, forgot yeah. About that. I didn't oh. think about that until right now, but you're right. But this would be, like, intense. This would be, like, the full, you know, full. This would be Ted Lasso season two, not Ted Lasso season one. Do you know what I you mean? You know what my character would be doing? Um, so... I would be sort of in this, like, Russian doll world of it. I would be one of those characters that, like, keeps being there at the beginning or whatever. Um, sure. Or, like, I'm just, like, Sweet birthday baby! That would yeah. Be yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually would not be struggling with trying not to drink. More realistically to my bar experience, I would be struggling with trying to flirt while yeah. not being able to drink with someone cute. Like, Sounds. trying to break the ice in a bar environment and, like, that awkwardness of, like, trying to socialize. That is more true to my queer bar experience. It's That's less great, I want to drink right now. It's more runner. like there's... What? That's a great runner for this bottle episode. That's a great, like, uh, thing we keep cutting back to. You know, your, your yeah. many trials, your many travails. I like it. yeah. And that speaks more to the experience. Like, we're never worried about me taking a drink. We're more like, oh, this is a reality of a sober person. Yeah, absolutely. We love that. We love that. Uh, just like we love, you know, the lies sort of slowly car started to come un 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 unfurled <laughs> on Crazy Ex Girlfriend as like this this delicate sort of house of cards that oh my Josh God, Paula and showing have up. built. Oh. That was so good. Was that episode one? That's episode one. That's at the house party. But this one oh. is where, like, you know, Josh and Rebecca quickly, you know, they're lying about how long they've known each other, their relationship over a period of time, and that sort of falling apart. And this is, like, you know, this puts Valencia on the defense for the foreseeable future. Like, this what is this is someone who is not to be trusted. What do you think about... Um, two thoughts. What do you think about... Yes. One... 
the I mean, of course, to drive the like conflict forward, she has dinner with him and it's a secret. And I actually don't remember how this part unfolds either. But like, what do you think about that in terms of Josh's actions? And then what do you think about um, Rebecca constantly killing it and being a genius at her job and like all of those sort of like lawyer (laughs) reminds me of succession jargon where Mm -hmm. she just like goes like, oh, problem solved. Oh, acquisition. I'm wondering like what you think of that that is. Is that just to make it the plot easier? Like to move things along quicker? Okay. So uh, uh, we'll 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 confront both of these regarding uh, Rebecca's acumen. You're the as a expert lawyer. here. <laughs> yeah, as someone who you read uh, the book, <laughs> I read the book, and earlier this month I watched the entire show in four days. Um, but I think Rebecca's legal acumen is important. Not, I mean, it does show that she has put in a lot of work. That she is not, you know, she's not used her, her her station to gain advantages or whatever. Like she has put in a lot of work. I also think it's important for a character as messy as this one, a character where you're flirting with with mental illness, where it could be easy to turn this character into the quote unquote crazy ex girlfriend, right? Really reductive sort of sort of sense of character. Having her actually be incredibly skilled as a lawyer. Having her have these like don draper moments where she just like she can Mm, just magically pull this out of her ass is is important that like she is competent she is someone who like can be successful has a good head but she's just she's in such a bad place right now that everything else in her life is is really falling apart and and i think that is a key aspect of the character is that she is gifted she is talented she is very intelligent despite some of her decision-making processes over the course of the show, right? Um, yeah. What was the other question? <laughs> what oh, was the other one? Hold on. Hold on. Oh, the listeners are so annoyed right now. They're, They're like, they we remember. There. We went back 15 seconds. Pepperidge um, remembers. It was... Uh, oh, the, the dinner with Josh at the end. Yes. So Josh... Joshua Felix Cham is... Yes. Full name, please is there's something that I I honestly in my first viewing of the show I didn't think a lot about Josh. Josh was always kind of, you know, this plot point character. I I I was not as into him as basically anybody else on the show. But the rewatch really unfolds him into a more interesting character. One, I like that the show instead of casting, you know, like a 6 foot tall Ivy League white guy like every other show would. They cast this like very like stout, very handsome gen- like Filipino gentleman but like is mm. Joshua Felix Chan is not the romantic lead on any other show on television. Do you know what I mean? And, Interesting. And I, yeah. I, I hadn't even because I, I guess mm-hmm. one I viewed it through such a straight lens the first time and two I'm not really sure. like looking at him in that way i look at him through such a queer perspective though that i'm used to like i don't know seeing yeah it's great that you point that out because i would have not remembered and the show i think kind of has that across the board i think like rachel bloom is not the traditional star of a network show like she's not at size zero i was a little irritated i was a lot irritated by the constant i get uh, the kind of like I Tina get... Fey thing where she's always like, "I'm disgusting." Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, so gross. Yeah. And like, yeah. I I liked the I liked placing her like in sweatpants 
in yeah. the grocery store. I liked the the call back with the grocery store guy. I liked all of that. I because I relate to like the this is the worst time I could be running into this person right now. Like happens all the time in New York, um, <laughs> where we live, New York City. <laughs> happens all the Greatest time in the hospital bus. Absolutely. And but and and, but and uh, Rachel Bloom is obviously like the, the fat stuff. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, but she she's obviously gorgeous, and I think you know um, Rebecca Bunch suffers from self esteem issues and and self image issues, as I'm sure Rachel Bloom does as well. Uh, I did just read the book, and um, yeah. and and but it is that was something that has always annoyed me about Thirty Rock as much as I love that show is how much the show is like look at this disgusting monster and it's Tina Fey. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just like the most ridiculous thing. Um, and the show leans into that a little bit, but it does, that is an early in the show thing that it will get away from as opposed to 30 rock where it would like sort of only enhance as the show went along. Right. Um, and, and yeah, that is good. But, like but this show, less, yeah. I want less like openly like you're better cause you're skinny. Like, I'm yes. just, I think we are kind of done with it now in the 2020s. I think, like, mm-hmm. we're seeing more, like, characters complaining about that culture instead of embracing that culture. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's not fun to watch. That's not fun no, to watch. No, it's not, it's not fun to watch a character be so mean to themselves and kind of the show around them often be so mean to them. Um and you know especially in like gender specific things like in like i liked what they were saying about women competing with each other and i think it was funny that paula was like no 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 you have to be nemesis um yeah yeah, and the competing with each other thing and then mixing that up with like Mm -hmm. uh do i want to fuck them or be them i thought thought was great but just the inclusion of like you're better because this this mm-hmm. this Which and it's is like, like such like mm-hmm. beauty standards like such like classic beauty standards that was mm-hmm. frustrating yeah and it but is, it is like, a good starting point for a series but yeah as you know if you are the character who's desperately trying to be with a romantic partner and the person that that person is already with is like a, a statuesque you know a traditionally perfect and beautiful sort of person that makes a lot of sense but as as Rebecca Bunch's mental state changes over the course of the show, the show's attitude, like, follows with it. You know, like, it really does, like, it has a much better perspective on bodies, even in, like, season two than it does in season one. And I think that is honestly more attributable to the characters morphing rather than, like, the writers learning to, like, respect people or something like that. It does (laughs) feel somewhat intentional if playing into traditional comedy tropes. But, like, non-traditional television actors are sort of, like, all over this show. This show is really good at like like we were talking about with Vincent Rodriguez the third, who again is like a wonderful dancer, a very handsome man, but not necessarily who you see on a CW show, who you see on the Archie channel, the Riverdale channel, right? And <laughs> and but like uh, same goes for Rachel Bloom or like Donalyn Champlin or uh, Pete Gardner or like even even Greg is not like I mean he's, I find him to be a very attractive man, yeah. but he's not like CW. Uh, handsome. Do you know what I mean? Like he he's not what you usually get from like a network sitcom where like a handsome person is is 
the handsomest person you've ever seen in your entire life. Whereas Santino Fontana still looks like a human being in a way that like the guy that plays like Archie on Riverdale doesn't to me. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it that is something that is across this show and something I really love about it. Um, and I think it's, I think it's very, uh, uh, effective, but yes, the, there's a lot of body shaming in these early episodes, especially, uh, but have hope dear listener that it will <laughs> continue to change. And I think, uh, but also, you know, they make fun of, uh, 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 Rebecca's form a lot, but you know, at a certain point in the show, she has three incredibly attractive men who want nothing more than to be with her at the same time. So like, you know, that's an interesting perspective on, 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 on that as well. You know, it's uh, another good show for that. I feel like teen stuff is never, is it called never have I ever? Um, I have no idea. Am I thinking of the wrong one? I have Hold no on. Idea. Yeah. Oh my God. Never have I ever. So good. It's this like, it's this, um, Indian girl and she has a bunch of like there's like a there's like a Greg type who's like the dirty type and then there's like the hot jock type and then she gets stuck in the middle so unexpected because she's just this like smart girl and then there's a gay best friend it's fun so if you like that but without musical numbers <laughs> that's I mean Mindy Kaling oh, um, yeah. created it along with Lynn right. Fisher who I imagine is oh like... you asked about Josh earlier that was the root of the question and I got completely sorry. off track and I am sorry about that I just remembered that that is what you asked about was about Josh that's okay um but uh, something that unfolds in in the character of Josh is like he is not like a a perfect beautiful boy and like there there are these like moments where like his good parts and his baser instincts are like really warring each other where like my read of them him yes getting dinner with rebecca after all of this but doing it way out of town it can be read in so many different ways because obviously there's like this honorable part of him that says like well i said we'd go out to dinner and we're going to do it but we do have to do it in a place where my girlfriend will never find out about it. And it makes you question, like, you know, dude, you are kind of putting yourself in a situation that could lead to you cheating on someone. Like, you realize that, right? Do you know? Yeah. Like, you, you, you say you have altruistic intentions, but you keep putting yourself in these situations that often lead to people cheating on their girlfriend. I also really like that Valencia is, like, her best self with Rebecca and like a talk she's a talk girlfriend with Josh like when it comes to like romantic she gets like so jealous and she's so guarded and she has such trust issues and I do like kind of like what what um Rachel's exploring with like the pretty privilege of like hot girls and like kind of, yeah. I, had, I had a 15 year old student like this who like I assigned her to to do a project on beauty standards and manic pixie dream girls because the things that she was complaining to me about was because she didn't know like how society was like putting all this stuff on her because mm -hmm. she was like a pretty blonde girl and um i do kind of like the the, the societal commentary of like how kind of society puts her into this space with Josh, but she's actually very pleasant and her best self when she's with 
with Rebecca, and I think that's I like that. Like yeah, when she has like a genuine there. non-romantic connection with so you know like I it, don't it, know about non-romantic. I guess it could be romantic. gay as possible. <laughs> sure, I mean of course, as you know, as as is your God-given right. Um, but uh, I do have a question for you. Sure. Oh my God. I love attention. Yeah. This is a moment, you know, this is, and I've not, I've not run this by you before. Are we, are we ranking the musical numbers of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? We can do that. Sure. Is that something we're doing? That was so confusing when you did that. So Kevin's on a podcast with my former partner. That's the community podcast and they do the rankings. And it was always so confusing because I was always like mid- like I would be listening in and out throughout the pandemic of like what was mm-hmm. happening. And then there was always this like complicated part at the end where they would like <laughs> rank the, the episode. But now it's your turn. Now you get to be in the complicated. Now, I get to, now we all together get to do this. We get to share um, in this. Okay. So let me share my skirn. And so you should see a word document now. Oh, wow. Okay, listener. So I'm looking at a Word document. It looks like it's made from, like, just your classic word processor, like Microsoft Word. And it's title document one because it hasn't been saved yet. And there's a title that is centered, and it says CXGF musical numbers ranked. And there's the number one. So we're at the very beginning of this journey. Thank you. Very. Thank you. Thank you for the table setting. Um, our, Our listeners appreciate you painting a visual picture. So let's start at the beginning. So the, the automatic number one, very good place to start, I've heard. When uh, you read, you begin with ABC, but when you sing, you begin with Do Re Mi. Do Re Mi, the first three notes just happen to be West Covina. So the automatic number one, the table setter, the, the, the barometer by which we will now judge every other musical number over the course of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, the, the other song in the pilot, we will not count the West Covina reprise at the end of the pilot. Um, uh, reprises are dubious as to whether or not we will rank them. But so the next one is the sexy getting ready song above or below West Covina. Okay. Above, right? I Sure. Yeah. Do we? Have, I guess we have to reach uh, consensus and there aren't three of us. So this will be spicy. This will be fun. Sexy getting ready song. Okay, perfect. Uh, the next song, I'm so good at yoga. Uh, uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be way down there by the end of the series. For yeah, me. this is not one of my faves. And uh, you know, cultural appropriation aside, um, you know, clever lyrics and all that. But it's not one. I'm never when I'm on when I'm on YouTube.com looking up Crazy Ex-Girlfriend music videos. It's almost never this one. Yeah, I don't I think, think I'm going to I think it's a number three. It. I mean, I remember liking the lyrics and thinking it was clever, and now I'm going to be clever. like, oh, I wish I remembered, but no, like, I don't need to. It's not a huge Butt stuff doesn't hurt. Uh, I am not afraid to get tattoos, and they are all in Sanskrit. Butt stuff doesn't oh. hurt at all. Most times I prefer it. That's what That's, this tattoo says. That is, uh, yeah, that I actually, I, I ruminated on that line for the rest of the song and just thought mm-hmm. about my own experiences with butt stuff and when I'm finally going to do an enema and how bottoms like really put, do a lot of prep and what that means. And like, could I ever yeah. do it? So my like bottoming insecurity just kind of took over the rest of the number. It's kind of, you bottomed out as it were. Exactly. Um, so what are we saying? Number three on this one? Oh, for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm so good at yoga, uh, which brings us to feeling kind of naughty tonight. 
that's my number one right now because it's gay. It's very gay. Um, and it's very funny and it's making fun of Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. No negatives here, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> all, all hitting Hands it across up. the board, yeah. Uh, great. So, all right. Feeling kind of naughty. I haven't ranked since we stopped covering Community. It feels good to be back in my my natural habitat. Um, and that's it for the first for the first uh, epi. And four songs. CXGF musical numbers. Save to you know we're gonna save this to the desktop that's what we're gonna do bada bing bada bing bada boom bada boom uh so thar be our coverage of the first two episodes of crazy ex-girlfriend uh cat you know this is your time uh this is your space this is your moment and the moment is you uh tell the people what you're up to sure i have an evil job um i have an evil job and sorry to my boss because he's great and it, um, it's it's not it's not it's it's it reminds me of this in some ways. It's um, no one's gonna believe me. It's NFTs for Broadway, and I am the social media manager. <laughs> you weren't kidding. And it and it pays rent exactly. It, it does pay rent. It pays the exact amount I need for rent. I have to hustle for the rest of cost of living right now, but um. It does. It does pay rent, and it hit my PayPal today, and I didn't feel bad. Um, it's kind of fun. I mean, I get to play with like puns, sort of like the show, in terms of like musical quippiness, and I'm learning how social media works for my own evil endeavors, um, and I'm learning about the strange world of crypto, in which I think so few of you are in that pocket. Um, so. I will be that bridge from that world and it is kind of it's kind of evil behavior as a theater person but um, I shouldn't have led with that I should have led that I'm an interesting content creator that I'm in grad school for queer new media stuff that my Instagram is at catscottonline that is no longer private because I'm no longer a school teacher and I am always making little things. I'm writing my first TV pilot. It's about the debutante cult that I was in, in 2014, 2015. Um, so that, I guess, also was the frame in which I was watching the show. I was not far away from that no, cult. You're in the right. Uh, you were in an interesting headspace. <laughs> <laughs> and revisiting that headspace is fun. Don't we all love to revisit? Well, I, I, I want to bring this like, <laughs> I will, I should never compare myself to these people. I'm staring at the flea bag, the scriptures by Phoebe Waller bridge right now. Oh, as I say this, I would love to, to the Waller bridge. I would love to bring the energy of Phoebe Waller bridge and of Rachel Bloom as these showrunners. I would love to have that kind of energy into the project I'm working on. So if any scrap of inspiration from them makes, its way into my pages i will be satisfied um yeah so i'm glad that thank you for uh for revisiting this with me because i it's going to help my craft <laughs> and Absolutely. yeah i'm excited to to be on this patreon adventure with you all um why is it just patreon do you think the the rest of the world isn't ready no that was the original um intention but we can we can talk about it 
we can we can okay. we can negotiate it was mostly uh monthly you know taking place of the twin peaks podcast that i was doing that is having some scheduling issues uh but we can we can discuss we can renegotiate all right we'll we'll sidebar off pod i hate negotiating um and i don't need to but whoever's listening of kevin's loyal followers thanks for being on this journey with us this first episode is definitely free i'll say that sick we'll see we'll figure out the rest of it okay. <laughs> i would love to see the returns on hamill minute yeah uh, patreon gives you no data i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool it's really great uh it's, very, it's honestly like kind of a peace of mind that i'm like oh well <laughs> i don't know Maybe this, maybe everyone's listening. I don't know. Um, it's it's great. So thanks for that, uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. Whether or not this is where you're listening to it or where no one is listening to it, well, that's the place where you can give me a dollar a month to support uh, whatever is going on here. Maybe this show is like you get previews on Patreon. You get it like a month early. Maybe that's something that happens. You know, you never know. Um, but we're figuring it out. And that that's 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 what we'll do. And we'll uh my lawyer will call your lawyer and we'll figure it out. Um, However and, you're listening to us, thank you for doing it. Yeah, and advanced media studies is the other show that I am doing. Um and we're having fun and we're having a good time. Is that with for, the the old crew what are you on right now yeah like, what same are you focusing crew on? as of right now we're in the middle of mythic quest oh wow that's um, a fun one we are yeah we're about to round into season two of mythic quest and then we're going to read all the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy books oh my God. Uh, because that beat crazy ex-girlfriend and media madness so we're reading all the we're reading all the hitchhiker's books uh, oh, for most wow. of the rest of the year it'll be fun mm. i like those books yeah i should revisit those books as well um i also have like sort of a podcast called archives of show tune sunday with cat scott and those are all just like snippets of things like like this um and other little like conversations and like my old um i think one of my old actual recorded show tune sunday that went on the radio in college is on there um so that's where like anything involving me recording my voice and talking to people exists it's kind of like an experiment for my voice changing and kind of like hearing uh the differences as i as i've been on testosterone for 10 months so archives of showtune sunday with cat scott is a fun place to listen to other show tunes and musings and things with friends over the last five-ish years um it's the place to be it's the place to be besides kevin's content which is bopping and plentiful yeah um and hopefully we'll have some uh film and video content coming up but you know that takes a lot longer oh yeah we did (laughs) we did a thing we did a thing um and you know film and video it just takes a long time if you are not uh getting paid full time to do it it just takes a long time we're figuring it out we're making it work folks it's gonna happen don't you worry about it don't you fret don't you don't cry please stop crying please stop crying because you can't watch my short film yet you could do it one day probably a year or two from now but you know you can watch it it's okay (laughs) it's all right (laughs) and this show doesn't have a sign off so just fucking enjoy the music that's playing do, Just do, enjoy do. it. Yeah. Enjoy the copyrighted music that's playing right now. Don't sue. Don't, Don't sue. sue. I only got 80% on the media law midterm. Fuck. <laughs> cat can't help. Cat, cat, cat <laughs> can't help me in my legal score. Yeah, that's the new sign off. And uh, as always, 
Please don't sue. <laughs> don't sue, because I didn't get a good grade on the midterm. I wanna lock you in a basement, trust in that basement.